one wants to work anymore. This is a societal problem. Nobody wants to come to OTAs. Nobody wants to make me my tacos after work. Why does nobody want to get better? This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. So this is the Wisco Sports Show. We spend time talking about uh, Wisconsin sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. I think that's what the intro says, right? Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. And so, like, sometimes we get into other topics as well. Like, today we're going to talk about some of the other random NBA games and some of the other stories. We got two hours, all right? It's a lot of time. Get into some other interesting things, too. But the name of the show, the Wisco Sports Show, there's a lot going on there. Wisco, right? We're about Wisconsin. And before we get into sports today, hell yeah, sports, I just, I, I want to give it up for this wonderful state because I don't think there is a place in the country, in this great union, nay, possibly in the world, that does a three-day weekend in the summer better than the state of Wisconsin. I was in Madison this weekend. You people just know how to celebrate a three-day weekend. And I don't mean you people, you people. I mean the fine citizens of Madison and the surrounding communities. Fantastic. You know how to celebrate. And then I was up in the CV, the Chippewa Valley, just north, northwest of Eau Claire. I was doing some supper clubbing, honky-tonking, tapping my boots on Saturday night. This state just, I just love three-day weekends in Wisconsin. Memorial Day weekend, Labor Day weekend. Wisconsin just does it better than anywhere else. I thought that was important to note. I think we should give ourselves a pat on the back. Before we talk about how great the Brewers and the Bucks are, I just we should talk about how great we are as a state, as a whole. I thought that was important context today coming out of the three-day weekend. It's the Wisco Sports Show, as I just said. I probably get into sports. My name is Grant Bills. I, I hope you had a wonderful three-day weekend. A little bit of a best of yesterday. Some fun moments. Some good interviews. I didn't want to do a show yesterday. There, I said it. We could wait 24 hours to talk about how the Bucks swept and how the Brewers are winning. I took the day off yesterday. I think it was uh, it was warranted. It was nice. I'm glad to be back today, and I hope you enjoyed the three-day weekend. Ate lots of brats and hot dogs and potato salad and pasta salad and fruit and everything else and drank a lot of beer. Celebrated however you celebrate a three-day weekend. Wisconsin does it the best, as I stated. Glad to be back, and we have some positive, fun stories to talk about today between the Bucks and the Brewers. Both are killing it. We're going to mention the Packers for a few minutes. Now, I was on the zone in Madison, the zone, with Ebo this morning, as I do every week. And no, I didn't forget about it until 7.40 this morning when the phone rang. I wasn't surprised at all. I was sitting uh, with all of my notes ready to go. I forgot this morning. Luckily, my ringer was on. So I talked to Ebo at 7.40 on our affiliate Madison, the zone, and Ebo was so enthusiastic to speak with me to the point where he booked himself on tonight's show. And Grant, can I? Can, I'll come on tonight. Let's talk Brewers tonight. I'll get. Let's get into it tonight. And I was like, "This is amazing. My guests are doing the work for me." One of my least favorite parts about this job is booking guests, reaching out and being like, "Hey, you got plans tomorrow? You got stuff going on? Can you come on? What time?" It's just, yeah, never ends. I get guest booked for tomorrow, and then what happens? Well, now I got to do Thursday, and then Friday, and then next. It's never ending. I don't like that. So if a guest is going to step up to the plate and be like, well, I'll come on tonight. <laughs> Hell yeah. I'll clear my schedule. You're more than welcome. But here's the thing. Uh, getting caught up in his own enthusiasm, Ebo forgot that he had plans tonight. 
So if you were listening this morning on The Zone and you were excited to hear from Ebo in the afternoon, no dice. He's going boating with his wife. Uh, they got a new boat, so they're all about that. So they're probably out cruising as we speak. We will be joined by David Gasper reviewing The Brew coming up at 435. Even though it feels like a Monday, it is Tuesday, and I don't think we wrote this down officially anywhere. I don't think we agreed on this, but we've just been chatting on Tuesdays, catching up about the Brewers, and we have a lot to catch up on today. The Brewers have been winning games, so we'll talk with David Gasper at 435. If you're all about the Bucks today and you want to talk about the sweep, the Bucks moving on round two, well, we kind of knew that they were going to move on going into the weekend. This series was over, especially when they went up 3-0, but it felt over at 2 um, They did sweep the, the Heat. They ended the series on Saturday. We're going to talk about that, but we're going to get into that coming up in the second hour of the show. To lead, I, the, this is the Brewers. They're the drug I can't quit, so that's where I want to start today. You're welcome to make your voice heard. Step up and join the conversation if you'd like. You don't have to, but you certainly can. 608-796-2558. Uh, you can tweet at me, follow me, at Wisco Grant as well. Today was supposed to be Aaron Rodgers' day. This is the June 1st deadline. Nothing happened. Shocker. Although I think it's important to remember, it's post-June 1st. Which, doesn't that mean they would have to do it tomorrow? I'm not, I'm, not gonna, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not an accountant. I don't know exactly how this works. But when you talk about a post-June 1st deadline, I think that means a move would have to happen tomorrow, right? Now, in principle, I guess they could agree and announce a trade today and just wait to officially push it through until tomorrow, but that seems weird. So I, I didn't expect Aaron Rodgers' news today. I, I suppose it would have to come tomorrow. I don't expect news tomorrow either. And because nothing has happened and nothing's probably going to happen, we're going to stick true to form, and we're going to talk about the Brewers. We're a Brewers show, as we should be on June 1st when the team is winning especially. Don't look now. They've won five in a row. And I know somewhere Big Joe is listening, quoting Major League and saying that's called a winning streak. So I'll shout out Big Joe before he even tweets in today because he typically does at some point. Right? They've won eight of ten, took two of three from the Reds, two of four from the Padres. They swept Washington, including a doubleheader. And then they won yesterday. Detroit is coming back for the second game of that two-game series doubleheader, mini, series, whatever. They play again tonight. So we'll see if they can go for six in a row. And what would amount to, what, four straight series wins? I guess they didn't win against the Padres. They split. But morally and uh, fanatically, I think we're going to call that a series win. Taking two of four from the Padres, I'm going to call that a series win. So we'll see if they can keep it going. Uh, Detroit had won three in a row. They're not an amazing team, but they had been playing good ball. I say all that to say this. The Brewers are hot. The Brewers are winning. They've turned it on a little bit in the last seven days. And we talked about this a week ago yesterday. Go back to last Monday. We led the week with it. We led the show with it. David Stearns is calling up Keston Hira shortly after trading for Willie Adamas. And what did we talk about? They're, they're fixing to go on a run. They're trying to get a spark. They're trying to catch lightning in a bottle, considering that Wong, Yelich, Kane, Narvaez, all healthy together for the first time really all season. And now Kane's on the IL, so that was short-lived. But as of last Monday, all of the best hitters healthy together in the lineup for really the first time. Woody, Burns, and Peralta had been dealing. Hauser's been pretty good, too. And then they added Adamas, and David Stearns is looking at everything saying, well, I don't know if Keston here is ready to come up. I don't know if this is our time, but let's take a shot at it and see if we can't kick this team in the pants and get him going. And so far, that shot has paid off. Since Keston here is call-up, they're 6-2. and two. One of those losses was an extra. It easily could have gone the other way. David Stern's strategy of, of seemingly trying to kickstart this team a week ago yesterday, it's worked. We got to give ourselves a pat on the back for talking about that last Monday and trying to read the evidence and read the tea leaves and, and maybe think about where this team was going to go in the next 10 days. I want to come at this hot streak 
from two angles. I got I got two approaches to thinking about the last week. One is an approach of positivity and excitement and enthusiasm and optimism. And then also a word of caution, right? A little bit of a disclaimer, a little bit of fine print to put under these last 10 games, eight of which the Brewers have won. So I want to start with the positivity. And then before we take a break, I, I do want to say like, but just something to keep in mind. So I don't mean to be a wet blanket, but a heads up because I kind of will be here in about 10 minutes. Let's start with the positive. The pitching is maintained. Brandon Woodruff, Brandon Woodruff, by the way, won uh, MLB Player of the Week uh, alongside, who is the other one? Jose Abreu. Brandon Woodruff in the last week, 2-0, 14 innings pitched, an ERA of 0, 18 strikeouts. He's been amazing. And so was Burns, although he walked a couple of guys yesterday. If you walking, guys, go back to the no walks. Freddie Peralta has been awesome, and Adrian Hauser, at least in his last start, was really good, and Eric Lauer was really good last week, too. They didn't win, but that's because they weren't scoring any runs. The offense has started to spark a little bit in moments, and as we've talked about before, right, even at its best, this offense is probably not going to be insane. It's not going to be 2011 where they're smashing home runs every other at bat, right? This is still a team built on run prevention, so even if the offense is clicking, and even if the offense is playing as its best version of itself, it's still not going to be amazing. It could be pretty darn good, and it could certainly be good enough to contend and, and get into the playoffs and do some damage the way they're pitching. But this team is still built on run prevention. However, in the last 10 days, the offense has been a little bit better. Colton Wong has been great since he's been healthy. Adamas has been a spark since they've acquired him offensively at a two-run homer yesterday. Yelich has been getting better. I want to see more power, but he's at least been hitting the ball hard. Right, Kane doing a lot of different things well. He went on the injured list today. That's a bummer. And Avi Garcia is in one of his famous Avi Garcia hot streaks. He's crushing the ball every which way, including a, a bomb off of Max Scherzer the other day. Right? The offense has been coming around. And maybe most importantly of all, and I think a, a focus of a lot of Brewers fans, is they're better situationally, or they have been better situationally. Right, They've laid down a couple of bunts in the 10th inning now at home in a tie game. That's good strategy. Right, and I think the last couple of days were misleading, right? We look at the last few days and we're like, oh my God, they're bunting now. They're really embracing bunting. Well, the last three straight games at home have gone into extra innings. So the last couple of games are, are all outlier scenarios in which a bunt is a good idea. I tweeted yesterday, bunting at home in a tie game in the bottom of an extra inning game. That's good strategy. That's smart. It's not something you're going to see a lot, but in the last couple of days we have because they've been in extra innings three times in the last three home games. Right, neither game was won directly by the bunt. Jackie Bradley Jr.'s double the other day, as we talked about on Friday, or was that Thursday, maybe? Thursday or Friday, whenever that was. Jackie Bradley Jr.'s double off the wall would have scored him from second anyways. Right, yesterday, Luis Urias put one off the wall in right center field. That would have scored Omar Narvaez anyways. Right, so maybe the results weren't impacted by the bunt. But what do I always try to peach, especially with football, as we talked about the draft this spring, we're always talking about the process and how arguably the process is more important than the results, right? Bunting in extra innings at home in a tie game. That's good process. That's, that's a good idea. That's something you should do. Now, whether the results pan out or not, whether the bunt ends up mattering, it's good process. By the way, you know I'm, I'm anti-bunting most of the time. You notice all the qualifiers I put on that statement? When you're in extra innings at home in a tie game, okay, bunting is good process then. That's about the only time bunting is good process. Maybe getting the bottom of the eighth, bottom of the ninth in a tie game. Then maybe you, maybe I could hear it, depending on who's to the plate and depending on the situation. 
But this has been good process the last couple of days. And I- I've been a little bit petty and said, well, the bunt didn't end up mattering because they got a double. They got the deep single from Urias anyways. It does make a difference. Luis Urias after the game yesterday saying the bunt in the 10th inning changed everything. Or at least that was the label on this chunk of sound that Zach sent me. I believe Zach is trolling me by uh, wording it that way. I uh, know definitely it changed completely the, the game because let's say Narvaez would have stayed at second. Uh, probably the outfielders, they, they would be like deeper in this in the outfield. So I, I wouldn't even have a, a double, I think. So that, that has changed everything. And that's an important point to remember, right? If you look at the box score, you're like, well, he got a double. Would have scored a run anyways. Got a big single. Would have scored a run anyways. Uh, Coach Wench, I believe it was last week, made a good point about bunting too. Moving that runner from second to third in extras is going to change some things. The pitcher might have a different approach, make the pitcher stress a little bit more. Maybe you manipulate the outfield. They come in closer to really, really sell out because if there's a shallow pop fly, they want to be in a position to catch it. If you hit it towards the wall, it's going to score a run anyways, and that's what Luis Urias is, is speaking to. It's good process to bunt in the bottom of extra innings at home in a tie game. When you know you only need that one run, it's good process. And I something else we've talked about this year, and I think this plays into this discussion of process, right? The length of a 162-game season and how good managers always need to be learning. They need to get smarter every single game. They need to learn something new about their team. They need to learn something new about the process with which they should manage their team. That's what smart managers do. So when September rolls around, you got a good read on everyone on your roster. You've seen every scenario. You've had success. You've failed. Right? That's what good managers do. And we've discussed that normally in the context of bullpen management. You get to know your bullpen, who's best in what scenario. But I also think that that plays into our conversation about small ball and situational hitting. Right? Council is getting smarter, and he's learning his team more as the season goes along. Right, and Craig Council even spoke to this yesterday. He's like, hey, if Keston here maybe wasn't at the plate, maybe we don't bunt, but he's shown that he can do it, something that he's learned over the last couple of days. Ironically, it was literally the same four players that were going to be involved in the inning with Narvaez on second and Keston up and Louie and Jackie behind him. So, yeah, it, it's situational. I think Keston shows you he's a good bunter, um, and, and so that I feel like the chance for success on the sack bunt is way up with Keston, and I think so that that's a good reason to do it right there. Yeah. Learning something about one of your players. You try dropping down a bunt, it works. He gets down a good one. Okay, so I know going forward, well, if Keston here is at the plate, that's an option. That's something on the table. Now you still want to feel out situation and what's going on. But knowing that about Keston here, that plays into his decision. Craig Council getting smarter as the season goes along. Learning something about his team every game, win or lose. Now, before we take a break, I am tickled. Just delighted that the Brewers are winning. Right? Sometimes I feel like I'm one of the few people in this fan base that actually believes in this team, wants them to win. I will not waver. They could lose 10 in a row. I'm going to believe that they're a good team because they are. So I'm amped that they've won 8 of 10, and it's something we kind of predicted last week. But a word of caution about these last 10 games. We kind of saw this once already. If you look back on their schedule, it's a couple of weeks ago now. It's crazy how many games the Brewers have actually played. Right, The Brewers are now 29 and 25. The season goes by so fast, all of a sudden you look around and you're like, holy cats, we're coming up on 75 games played or we're coming up on 100 games played. If you look back at the Brewers' schedule to where they played the Dodgers, right before they started to drop off and lose a bunch of games, the Brewers won all of these games close. One or two run differences. And some of those games were in extra innings, very similarly to what happened against the Padres earlier this week. And similarly, what happened against the Tigers yesterday. If you look back again, that uh, that Dodgers series, 
They won these games. Two to one, three to one, six to five in extras. Very similar to what's gone on in the last week, right? The margin of victory against the Reds. One run, five runs. Against the Padres, two runs. Six runs in a loss. One run in a loss. One run in a win. Both of those last two games in extra innings. Right in Washington, they won by three, but that was a seven-inning game. Another game they won by four. That was also a seven-inning game, which I think is especially significant because Fire Eisen and Rasmussen were just dealt. So that made the Brewers' job easier, especially with that off day on Friday due to rain. They also beat the Tigers yesterday by one run. So I'm all about celebrating these wins. But what the Brewers need to avoid is then turning around a week from now and losing a bunch of one-run games because that's what we saw a few weeks ago. That's what the Brewers need to avoid. Something I want to start keeping an eye on, something that the radio broadcast mentioned yesterday. Can they score four runs? Can they get to that four-run threshold? Because when they do, they win a lot more games than they lose. That's kind of a magic number. Let's start paying attention to that. If they're winning four to three instead of two to one, I feel a little bit better about that. It's a little bit more sustainable. And the idea of sustainability, that's something we'll talk about with David Gasper reviewing the brew coming up at 435. Coming up next, I want to speak to the ebbs and flows of 162-game season, the ups and the downs, not just for the Brewers, but for the rest of the NL Central, really minus the Pirates because the Pirates don't count. Corbin Bird said something really interesting after the game, and I think it speaks to a very long season, a season in which baseball fans tend to overreact to the highs and the lows. We can't do that. Let's continue that conversation. Coming up next, more of the Wisco Sports Show after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Hope you had an excellent three day weekend. Happy Memorial Day. Ate a lot of grilled food. I drank couple of light beers on Saturday night. Stomp my boots to a band at a supper club. That's uh, that's perfect. Wisconsin does three-day weekends in the summertime. Just about uh, better than any other place on earth. That's a fact. No need to research that. That's just understood. That's a given. 608-796-2558. Evo was promised to us tonight. Evo booked himself this morning and then backed out. Eric in lacrosse isn't happy about it. Evo's out on his boat, and Eric asks, so he doesn't have a phone on his new boat? Yeah, that's kind of toxic. Isn't it? Moto, my boat. I can't spell. Okay, we get it, Ebo. You have a boat. Relax. Schmidt says, uh, can you do a starting five of regions in Wisconsin? Where does the CR rank? I'm assuming CR means Cooley region. Schmidt, because I saw this over the commercial break, I was able to scratch down some notes. The way I see it, uh, I came up with five, and I'm sure I'm missing some, and I think we can prioritize uh, the places in Wisconsin where the show broadcasts because those are the best. So let's forget about Milwaukee, which is basically just an extension of Illinois over there. Anyways, I think we have the Northwoods, which I think is like Highway 8 and above. So if you go Barron County and north, so you got your Rice Lake. You go up farther, you talk about uh, Minong, Gordon, Solon Springs, Barnes, that area. I think the Northwoods would have to be in your starting five. I think the Chippewa Valley, Eau Claire, and the surrounding areas. Uh, here's the problem. You ask about the Cooley region. If we're if we're doing the best regions, it's really tough because the Cooley region and the Driftless region bump up against each other, and I think the I think they detract from each other. The way that two great players on the same team split votes for the MVP, Cooley region and the Driftless region, that would be tough. I'm also very partial to Bog Country myself, Toma in the surrounding areas. I think that's a very slept on portion of the state. 
I love going to bog country. Um, it's just a, it's just a hidden gem. It's very peaceful, very quiet, and it's beautiful. Uh, so those are just a couple of ideas. I don't know what regions I would be forgetting. I don't like Door County, but I I don't honey I don't I don't go honeymooning. I don't have a significant other to go pick cherries with in Door County or whatever they grow. Is that cherries right in Door County? Yeah, I'm not. So we can leave them out for now. That's that, that's what I have, Schmidt. Thank you for derailing the show. It was a fun conversation. Thank you for the text. 608-796-2558. Tweets at Wisco Grant. We're talking about the Brewers naturally. 1-8 of 10. They go for six wins in a row tonight against the Tigers in game two of a two-game set. I was watching the press conferences last night because even after the game's end, I'm grinding, right? I'm getting better. I'm learning. I'm preparing for the show. Craig Council, enlightening as always. We heard from him. Willie Adamas, Luis Urias spoke to the media as well. Corbin Burns, too. Corbin Burns started yesterday. I almost forgot about it. We get lost in the bullpen and boxy, box guy, hater. And then, of course, the 10th inning in which the Brewers walked it off. Corbin Burns had, I think, maybe the most enlightening statement of all of the postgame press conferences and all the comments. Here's what he had to say. I mean, that's baseball. I think every team in a season, every good team anyway, is going to have one of those stretches that, that you have to overcome and get through. We had a couple of meetings of, hey, let's just, you know, just keep pushing through it, keep pushing through it. It's, it's going to turn around. And I think that the D.C. series was was kind of that turning point for us. We threw the ball great. We hit the ball well, played good, played good defense. This is what we've said about the Brewers for a couple of weeks. Okay, this is what I've said. Because I think I'm in a bit of denial. I refuse to believe, at least at this juncture of the season, that the Brewers are bad. Because that means the rest of the summer... What are we doing? I refuse to believe that the Brewers are not a good team. I think they're a very good team. And I've clung to the logic that Corbin Burns was just preaching. There's ups and there's downs, ebbs and flows, highs and lows, whatever expression you want to use. I refuse to give up, even during the bad stretches. And I think Corbin Burns outlines why you shouldn't get overly frustrated during the bad times, why you shouldn't get overly excited during the good times. It's a 162-game season. And I know you know that. But I think sometimes we forget about it. We don't think about it in that way because it's been two full years since we've had a full 162-game season. Last year was a 60-game sprint. It'd be like a four-game season in the NFL. That just is not representative at all. And even when the Brewers lose this season, I think it's been productive at times. Craig Council has shown that in the past. They're going to go through tough stretches, good stretches. You learn from it all. And then when September rolls around, you really get all your ducks in a row and you've got everything lined up. Right? Because as a manager, we always talk about pushing the right buttons. Well, when you're learning which buttons to push, you're occasionally going to push the wrong ones. Right? If you've, if you've worked in radio, which is probably a small minority of you, you got a soundboard. Right? If you're, you're a musician or you're in a band, you have a control board with all these buttons, with all these sliders. When you're learning to operate those things, big board of buttons, Air traffic controller, maybe. Although I hope that's not how, air, I hope that's not how you learn. I hope you don't learn on the job. If you're an air traffic controller, when you're learning which buttons to push and how to push them, you're occasionally going to push the wrong ones. And when you do, take note. Remember, keep that in mind as you move forward because then you won't push the wrong button again. And I think Craig Council, I know I bring him up a lot on the show. I think that's what makes him so good. By the end of the year, he's got it figured out. That's what the smart managers do. Bad managers just sit there throughout the year and... Get this pitcher in there. Get this guy. Ah, we'll try a double switch. Well, we'll see. See if he can drop down a bone. I don't know. Need to be paying attention as the season goes along, taking notes about what works, what doesn't, what works when, and what doesn't work when, so that when the chips are really down and it comes time for the rosters to expand and the pennant chase is on and there's only a couple games separating you and the other top teams in your division, 
you're ready to go. The NL Central is an awesome example of ebbs and flows. And we're only, what, 50 games in now? The Brewers are 29 and 25, a little bit over, what is that, 59 games in? I think that's, uh, no, that's not correct. Forget I said that. Or is it 59 games? Who cares? Who cares? They played a bunch of games, and a lot has changed. The Cardinals were red hot at one point. Now the Cardinals can't win to save their life. The Cardinals are reeling. Now the Cubs are red hot, and all of a sudden their bullpen's doing really, really well. The Brewers were red hot, and then they got ice cold, and now they're somewhere in the middle trying to get back. Brewers, I think, are, yeah, two games, four games over 500 now. It's crazy the way they were up, and then they were down, and then they've come back. Really, the entire division has been one big line graph, and these teams are going up and down and up and down and up and down like stocks, except for the Pirates who have been at the bottom essentially the, the whole time. I mean, think of all that's changed. Billy McKinney and Travis Shaw were the heroes for the first two weeks of the season. Now we barely think about him. Billy McKinney's not even here anymore. Now we talk about Adamas and Avi Garcia. Heck, Orlando Arcia had a walk-off hit, a walk-off grounder on opening day. He's not even here anymore. Things change, and smart managers know how to adapt and keep the team going and improve every step of the way. That's important to remember through the good stretches and the bad. That's what Corbin Burns mentioned last night. I wanted to share that with you. Let's take a break. We'll get David Gasper on the horn reviewing the brew, our weekly chat with Gasper. Going to talk about Keston Hira. Going to talk about winning sustainably. Because who's to say the Brewers don't win, you know, 14 out of 18 games, and then they turn around and they lose a bunch like earlier this season. How do we avoid that? That's a conversation I want to have as well. Coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. If you've been bummed out so far because we haven't talked about the Bucks, uh, we'll do that in an hour from now. I do have some some spicy Bucks takes. Well, not, uh, spicy is probably the bad word. I am excited to talk about the series now that it's done, kind of holistically, what went right for the Bucks and went so terribly wrong for the Heat. So we'll have that conversation in about an hour. We're leading with the Brewers because that's just it's what we do. We're a Brewers show, as should be the case on June 1st. Yesterday, winning their eight out of the last 10, winning their fifth in a row. Three to two and extras over the Detroit Tigers. Uh, box guy, boxy, Brad Boxberger getting the win. Corbin Burns, uh, six innings, six hits, only one earned run, seven strikeouts. He was great as well. Corbin Burns, of course, David Gasper's boy. Uh, Gasper now joins us on the talk and text line. The Grand Poobah at reviewing the brew. Gasper, how was your Memorial Day? Did you watch a lot of brewers, eat a lot of brats? The same exact as me. Did we do the same thing this weekend? Yeah, yeah, I was uh, I was at the game. Uh, went with a buddy of mine and uh, went to the went to Corbin Burns Day. Uh, able to enjoy it as you know one enjoys a, a baseball Corbin Burns Day on Memorial Day. So it was a really good time, and you know got to see Corbin Burns pitch, and you know he got a little bit of run support there late, and then uh, the lead was blown like three pitches after he was taken out. That was. Uh, that was rough, but hey, you still got to see a, a Brewers walk-off win, so can't complain too much. Do you have a season ticket package where you only get tickets to the games that Corbin Burns starts? How do you how do you swing that? Because you're at every Corbin <laughs> Burns start. And I've I've tried. I missed the first couple. I've gone to I think his last three at home, and he lost the the two previous ones. <laughs> so if they if they lost this 
this last Corbin Burns game, I would I would have had to banish myself from Corbin yeah. Burns days, and that just would have been sad well, yeah. for me. But yeah, so luckily they won, so I don't have to I don't have to banish myself. I am not the cursed. Uh, on Corbin Burns there, so we're we're good to go. I'm glad that you you understand that as well. Like it stinks for you; it's not really your fault. But I'm glad that you understand the gravity of the situation because yeah, if they lost yesterday, you can't go. And then, like that's it's yeah. not your fault. But I'm I'm glad that you understand that because I agree with you. They have now won eight of ten, five in a row. As you heard, as I chaotically tried to set up this segment as we came back from commercial, we talked about this last Monday, right? Where Calling up Hira, all these guys are healthy. Things seem to be pointed in the right direction. Let's see if they can't get hot, and they have. How? Why? Why have they been able to do this over the last 10 days or so? And you can't say just, like, they scored more runs. Like, that's a cop-out answer. we got to be more interesting than that. Like, what's been the difference over the last week? Well, over the last 10 games, I mean, that's also when Willie Adamas arrived. And I think his arrival is really something that, uh, has sparked this team. I mean, since coming over to the Brewers in, in 10 games, Adams is hitting 324 uh, with a 969 OPS, a uh, couple of home runs. He's really sparked life into this team. I mean, he, he's one of those guys that he's kind of like Orlando Arcia and Jesus Aguilar in the fact that he brings so much energy and, and fun to the clubhouse, to the dugout, to, to the field that it just kind of brings everyone else and all their energy levels up and just kind of helps them play better. That's kind of been a centerpiece of the Brewers' teams over the past couple of years. And after the trade of Arcia and and losing Aguilar and losing all those other kind of fun guys from their clubhouse, you know, bringing a guy like Adamas back has really kind of, you know, restarted that kind of thing. So, uh, I think that's something that really kind of sparked this club, the, the addition of Willie Adamas, not only what he brings in the clubhouse as a leader, as an energy bringer, but what he's done on the field. I mean, hitting 324, I mean, that's something that the Brewers haven't gotten out of, you know, pretty much anybody uh, all year. And I know it's a small sample size, but still, I mean, he's someone that, that can really, really bring it there both on the field and off, and that's something that this team has been missing. 324 is better than some of their players combined. So I I think 324 is especially outstanding when you consider uh, how low the batting average of some of these other players are. Now, I I don't believe this to be true, Gasper, but I'm just trying to put myself in the mind of some other Brewers fans that might try to make this point. Why is it that every time they acquire someone or they call someone up, they immediately start hitting? Because somebody who's a a little bit... uh, more pessimistic would think, well, it's Andy Haynes, right? You're getting these guys who haven't been coached by Andy Haynes. You get them in the clubhouse. They, they go about it a different way. Do you, I'm not going to ask if you buy into that because I like, well, maybe you do. Why is that? Is that just a coincidence? I mean, I think it's probably just a coincidence. And, you know, part of it could just be, you know, coming into a new club and, um, you know, wanting to, you know, impress right away. And I mean, with, with someone like Adonis, I mean, he's someone who has publicly stated that he struggled hitting in Tropicana Field down in Tampa Bay. He Like, look at his home road splits. He was terrible uh, at home uh, when he was with the Rays, and then when he was on the road, he was a far better hitter. Um, so now that he's in uh, Milwaukee and he's been, you know, with, with them and, you know, the game's at home, it's a, it's a much better hitting environment. The batter's eye is phenomenal. Uh, so easy to see the ball in Milwaukee. And that's really kind of helped Adamus 
in, in his in his adjustment period. And you know, it's not really as much anything that you know Haynes could do, um, but it, it's just a matter of seeing the ball. And you know, some guys are are seeing the ball well, like like Adamas is right now. Some guys aren't seeing the ball well, such as Keston Hira. And you know, the, there's only so much that a hitting coach can actually do with that when a guy has to be up there and. And, and trying to, to see the ball, and you only have a split second to react. Yeah. So the vibes, different vibes from Tampa Bay and different architecture in the, the batter's eye. I'm just going to say vibes, getting out of Tropicana Field and into <laughs> American Family Field, a hitter's ballpark, which we hear about every time somebody's acquired. It's like, well, they'll, they'll hit better in Milwaukee. It actually typically is the case. It's been the case with Adamas. We're talking with David Gasper, our good friend from reviewing the brew. Can we talk about situational hitting, right? I... I'm looking at extra innings. Now, they have dropped a couple of bunts down, and I do think that's made an impact. I know you're not a big bunt guy. I'm certainly not a big bunt guy, but I think there is a place for it in extra innings. I think it's a little misleading in the last week. They've had three extra inning games in the last three games at home, so it seems like bunting is like the new norm. No, I think it's it's very much a rare circumstance. We've just seen it coincidentally a couple of times in the last couple of days. Is it that they've gotten better at situational hitting and better at small ball, or is it just is it just good luck? Well, I mean, when you look at both of the the situations where the Brewers have bunted uh, in the last like week or so, they were both done by Keston Hira. And, and Craig Council has said that he knows Hira is a good bunter. He knows it from, you know, when Hira was in college, his college coaches taught him how to bunt. Um, he's laid down two beautiful bunts. You know, mm-hmm. like each time it was just a gorgeous bunt um, as far as bunts go, I guess. But really, that was just kind of the situation – yeah, where it came up and it kind of made sense. And really, there's probably not much better Keston Hero was going to do if he was going to swing away in those kinds of situations. He has been he has been rough lately. He's down, I think, 133 on the season for, for his batting average. I mean, it has been a, a really rough go for him. Um, and just kind of trying to, to come through. I mean, when you're tied there in the tenth inning, it makes a little bit more sense to to go with the bunt um, with, with the runner on second, especially Omar Narvaez. But you know when it came up and it was Keston Hira, I, I think he's probably the only guy, the only position player that Craig Council knows can bunt. I mean, he, he yeah. talked about Hira knowing how to. I don't know if anyone else does know how to, to be honest. So Keston here is now a defensive specialist who can play multiple infield positions and the outfield and a bunting guy. I did not envision this from uh, from Keston here to start the year. What do we do with Hira? No. I mean, what's what's the next step uh, if he continues to just hit like this? We all know his potential and we all know his importance, right? He's a power right-handed bat and this team has no power and they certainly don't have righties who hit for power, especially if Avi Garcia isn't red hot, which is, I mean, he's very hot and cold. What do we do with them? I mean, are we having a conversation in two weeks about needing to send him down again, or, or, or what comes next for Keston Hero? Yeah, that's something I'm working on figuring out, um, and I've got an article that I'm working on about that right now, trying to figure out what to do with them. And they have a couple of different options that, that they can go. They can, A, option him down and, and try to, um, you know, have him figure more stuff out at AAA and, and just try to get someone else in there. Um, to get production at first base in the meantime. Uh, But if you do that, you risk damaging his confidence even further and really kind of screwing him up mentally where he may may not become useful at all for the entire season or, you know, perhaps even longer than that. 
or they could keep him up at the big league level and just try to continue riding it out until he finds it, finds whatever it is, and is able to get going. And that could take another week. It could take two weeks. It could take a month. Um, but I, I, it, it's hard to know when he exactly will get going because now we're two months into the season. Yeah. And he still hasn't been able to get it going. Like he, like now, if someone's off to a bad start and they haven't gotten it figured out by now, it's probably just going to be a bad season. So they could try to write it out, see if he can find you know something. He's not going to, you know, no matter what the end of the year stats are, it's not going to look good for him just because he put himself in such a big hole here to begin with. So it's going to be one of one of those options. I don't see the Brewers trading him. I don't I don't see the Brewers completely giving up on him, but they they got to ride it out for a little bit longer um and risk damaging the the current team or they send him down to try to help out the current team and risk damaging Kira for the future and damaging his confidence. So it it's going to be a fine line for them to walk. But at the same time, over the next couple of weeks, the Brewers are facing some really weak opponents. They got the Tigers, they got uh, Arizona coming up, and they got Cincinnati, they got Pittsburgh. Um, so they got a lot of pretty weak opponents uh, in the schedule coming up. So pr- hopefully, he can get you know some hitting going against them. But it's it's a very tough spot that he's in because I... he raked plenty in Triple A. Yeah. So he should be he should be fine but he hasn't been able to figure it out at the big league level. I propose another option. We get a time machine. We go back to 2018, and we trade him for Manny Machado. <laughs> Is that on the – probably not? Like, maybe could do that? No. No, I don't I don't see uh, that working out. But, I mean, if you got the time machine figured out, that's a, yeah. that's a different thing entirely. Well, I, know. I, I would take that and – I would take the time machine and stop Jimmy Nelson from diving back into first base if I had that. Yeah, I'd probably stop the Aguilar trade or even the G-Man Choi trade. I'd go back and I'd recoup one of these first basemen. I don't know about the Trent Grisham trade. That's just, that's turned into such a mess. I, it's it's a, it's not just as simple as one bad trade. But, yeah, maybe David Stearns, he's a smart guy. Maybe he's working on that. Uh, David Gasper reviewing the brew. Last question. This is a big-picture question. You know I love these. I, I, I love that the Brewers are playing well right now and they're winning, but I'm concerned. Because they got on a hot streak a few weeks ago that culminated with winning three of four from the Dodgers. The the peak of the season, in my opinion, the most exciting game so far was that Saturday night game in extra innings when they walked it off against L.A. And then at that point, they went in the tank. And it's not like they played substantially worse. They just got unlucky. And when you're playing in one or two run games, luck factors into the results so much. How do the Brewers find a way to win more sustainably? So Or sustainably, not sustain. You know what I mean. How do they, How do they find a way to win games in a way that's not going to drop off the table in a week or two like it did a month ago. Does that make sense? Yeah, they, they just need to find more, uh, find, find the consistent hitting from their expected guys. They need Christian Yelich to be Christian Yelich again. Um, he hasn't quite gotten back up to that level. He's, he hasn't you know, found his home run stroke as well. And, um, you know, they're really kind of, you know, early on there, they're really depending on, a bunch of role players and and guys that aren't expected to be uh, everyday guys getting everyday starts and being dependent on in the middle of the lineup that they really shouldn't be uh, depending on. And that's where they had so many of those close games. So what they need is their offense to perform up to 
its expectations. They need Hira, as we just talked about, to perform up to expectations. Yelich to be up to expectations. Um, they, they need Evasel Garcia to, you know, try to, you know, keep that consistency. They need Jack Rayleigh Jr. to find something <laughs> at the plate. I mean, it has just been, it has been so rough for Jackie Bradley and Kesson Hira. Like, I, I know Bradley gets off to slow starts, but this is ridiculous. Like, like this is far worse than any other slow start that he's had in his career. And now with Lorenzo Kane getting hurt, we're going to see probably a lot more of Jackie Bradley Jr. Uh, but Tyrone Taylor gets to start in center field tonight. Um, so they're going to need, to need to find offensive consistency and not have these games where it takes you five, six innings to score maybe one or two runs for Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff and try to get those guys some run support. Like you have guaranteed chances at victory pretty much three out of five days with Woodruff, Burns, and Peralta. And you need to get just a a couple of runs to get yourself in a good spot for those. But they they just put themselves in so many positions where you're getting the A group of your opponent's bullpen – whoever it is, because you didn't score enough runs and they feel that they're in it enough. Yeah. You know, if you're up 3 nothing, 4 nothing, um, on those you know, Woodruff, Burns, Peralta days, you're getting the B group from the other team's bullpen. You know, it's going to make things a, a lot easier for you and they just they haven't been able to put themselves in that kind of a position consistently. That's outstanding, and that is the point that I'm going to use. Not steal, nay, this is a collaborative effort, but I <laughs> that is a really For interesting sure. point, facing the best relievers, taking yourself out of those close games to make life easier. And, and then all these offensive players, they get better swings. They have a chance to actually face some some pitching that's not as good and to build some momentum. Yes, 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 yes. I love that. In fact, yep, I'm yep. Gonna... Get, to, get some confidence. Yes. You, you see a couple of good results there, and then it leads to more. You know, success begets more success. Hitting is contagious, and, and wow. there we go. Roll out the cliche. We're not sending players down to AAA. We're going to create AAA. We're going to create that environment from the seventh inning on. I love this. In fact, I'm going to let you go, Gasper, take a break, and then I'm going to continue to talk about this right up until 5 o'clock when we take a break. Oh, and then talk more about the Brewers. Today's been really fun. I appreciate you, and I'm glad that you uh, have been so willing to join us once a week, Gasper. Thanks again, man. Yep, thanks a lot, man. Take care. You as well. Take care. David Gasper reviewing the Brew. Damn it, I wish I would have thought of that. It sucks. Although, when my guest brings up a great point on the show, I mean, I, who's to say that I didn't foster such conversation? I mean, it's a collaborative effort. That's what I'm saying. Let's take a break. I want to continue to talk about that idea. That's very interesting. More of the Wisco Sports Show after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. David Gasper, reviewing the brew. Appreciate him. Appreciate him willing to join the show once a week. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. The only part I didn't like about that interview is that Gasper made a point that I didn't think of making first. It's an excellent point. Talking about the Brewers always facing the premier relievers from the opposition. Because when you're playing in games that are decided by one or two runs, well, okay, well, you're willing to roll out your best relievers because the game's close. You got a chance. And we've seen this with Craig Council. If the game is tied or it's close, we'll, we'll roll Hater out there. Typically only if it's tied. He'll never really pitch Hater when trailing, and he shouldn't. But 
more willing to roll out. Well, let's think of it this in the context of a week or two ago, right? You you'll roll out Fire Eisen or you'll roll out Rasmussen or Williams. And Williams needs work too. So you're 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 more enthusiastic about using your premier arms in a game that's winnable. Whereas if the game is four runs apart, okay, well Josh Lindblom's gonna take the hill. Or we're gonna roll out I don't know, Angel Perdomo. Right? And when the Brewers are always playing in these close games, they're going to see premier relievers from the other team. If you're up by four or five runs, well, now you're pitching against the junior varsity guys. And now life gets easier for Keston Hira and Jackie Bradley Jr. because they're seeing guys that aren't as good. So you don't have to send them down to AAA to have an easier time. You can just let them work through things in the seventh, eighth, ninth inning. It's brilliant. It's a cheat code. Just score more runs. Everything gets easier. And I, I think we rolled out some cliches, right? Hitting is contagious, right? Offensive success begets more offensive success, and I, that's cliche. But if you score more runs, well, if you're getting a lead, now you're going against pitchers that aren't as good, so it gets easier to score runs, and then it gets easier and easier. It's a it's a vicious circle, but it's a, a good thing, so it's like a circle of baseball positivity, if that makes sense. Coming up in the second hour of the show, the program, after the top of the hour break, 5 o'clock, I do want to get into the Bucks. I have a lot to say about this the series, Bucks Heat. Now, Game Four really didn't teach us anything new. We didn't learn anything new. We just were kind of reaffirmed in what we already thought. The Bucks are a, a standard deviation or two better than the Heat in just about every way. They trounced them for three straight games. They trounced them for a fourth. It's not like we discovered renewable energy. We just were proven correct in what we already thought and what we already know. The Bucks are way better than the Heat. We'll kind of do a, a in-memoriam of this series. I don't want to look at Game 4 specifically. I want to talk about the whole series. So we'll do that coming up. I do want to talk more about the Brewers, and we'll spend like five or six minutes talking about Aaron Rodgers just for fun. This is fun. It's a, it's a Tuesday, but it feels like Monday. It's just kind of a wacky day. We'll do that. Aaron Rodgers, Bucks, and Brewers coming up next in Hour 2, the Wisco Sports Show. Hey, don't rate your record high. You ain't going to get him because I got him.